Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on the Heal the Herd podcast, we're going to talk about how to fight fair and save your relationship. Now, we're going to cover three main topics. The first one is, what's a reality argument? Well, you're going to find that a reality argument is at the source of every single fight you have. So I'm going to walk you through that and give you solutions to it. The second thing we're going to talk about is what are the basic ground rules for a fight for both the person listening and the person speaking? And finally, I'm going to give you a detailed confrontation model. And when you have this confrontation model, it will literally save your relationship. You will learn to, I, I know this sounds crazy, but you're going to learn to love fighting because when you use this, it guarantees deep intimacy and connection. Okay. As a bonus, I put all of this together. I've laid it all out and put a free pamphlet on my website. Go to www.thegreatnessmovement.com. And under the resources section, I've put this whole pamphlet there. So no need to take notes. I've done it all for you. Just go to the website and you can print it all off. And you can, you're going to want to do that because when you use this confrontation model in the beginning, since it's new, you're going to want to have a guide to follow. And this has laid it all out for you, made it simple and easy so you and your partner can start building that connection and intimacy that you deserve and save the relationship. Because that's really what I want here. So many relationships are falling apart because we've never been taught how to fight. And the way we've been taught how to fight actually guarantees that our relationships are going to end. And so let's change that today. All right. So the first place we have to start is a reality argument. This is what destroys all relationships, okay? And a reality argument is based on, I have a view of the world that's different than yours, all right? And what gets couples in trouble is the demand that you accept my reality. Like, here's an example. What is it? What do you see? What am I holding up? Can you see this? For those that can't see this, that are listening, it's a can of Coke. All right, so what if I said to you, what if I held this up to you and I said, would you like a sip of my water? You're like, what? That's Coke. And I'm like, oh no, what do you mean it's Coke? Can't you see it's clear? Can't you see the clear liquid? And it says, you know, mountain spring water on the front. And you'd be sitting across from me going, my God, you're crazy. That clearly says Coke. It's a red label, everything. Well, think about the fights you've had with your partner. What have they been about? different realities. I Most couples that I work with, they come to and they tell me about a situation and one partner speaks and says, this is what they did. And the other one goes, oh, no, 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 no. This is what I did. They have different realities. Now, the thing is, is we can never change a person's reality. And our desire to change their reality is about us, not them. We're not accepting that they view the world this way. I mean, that's what politics is all about, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. You have two reality arguments, both screaming at each other, but neither side investigating. Well, why do you see the world that way? Like, let's go back to this example. So you're kidding me. You see bottled water 
Well, tell me more about that because I clearly see a Coke label, red can, the big Coke, you know, insignia on it. Like that just fascinates me that you see the world that way. That's the first thing we have to conquer. And when you go to the website, I give you some questions so that you can start working through and seeing that your relationship is struggling because you're fighting over realities. You have different views, different memories, different interpretations of what's been said, what's been done, what's going on. And that's at the heart of your fight and your struggles. And so when we, as the person who has a different reality, demand that the other side accept our reality, that's where the problem lies. The other person doesn't have to accept our reality. They get to keep their own. And so we're losing containment. Do you see what happens in that moment? When I demand that you see the world the way I see it, I've lost containment. Now you become what they call, in clinical terms, my higher power. I have given away my thoughts, my feelings, and emotions because now I'm so wrapped up and I've got to get you see this truth. Well, that means in that moment, that person owns me. I have completely lost containment of myself. I'm completely upset and frustrated because I have to get them to see this. And we're like, but it's true, Kenny. It's true. <laughs> this is the truth. Like they have to see the truth. Well, it, it's truth to you but it's also truth to them. And do you see what happens when we demand somebody accepts our reality? That means they can demand it of us. Well, flip the table. If someone's doing that to you, you'd be like, no, I'm not going to accept that as truth. And that's the secret to all of this is learning how to accept realities that they just have a different memory and a different view about situations. And now what we have to decide about that reality is, wait a minute, does this reality go against my morals and values, my needs and wants, and what I find negotiable and non-negotiable in a relationship? So if their reality goes against that, then we may want to look at leaving the relationship. So many people stay in a relationship where they're with someone whose morals and values, needs and wants, Negotiables and non-negotiables are completely the opposite. They never sat down and, and really filled those out. And went, when they met someone, they just thought they were cute or hot and didn't really look at, oh my God, I picked somebody whose reality on these topics I don't agree with and I'm trying to change them. Well, that's not about them. From day one, they had that moral and value, that need and want. And for them, it was always non-negotiable. But we thought we could change their reality and get them to change their morals and values and needs and wants. That means they're not the problem. We are. And so that's the first step we have to look at in this is how are we trying to use, it's called negative control, where we are negatively trying to control the other person and force them to accept our reality, which is based on our morals and values, our needs and wants and our negotiables and non-negotiables. And so on the website, again, you're going to answer some questions to see if that's at the heart of your relationship struggle. <laughs> now, many times people, when they do that exercise, they sit and realize, oh, we have a lot more in common. It's just our, our recollection of events is different. And this is where we move to the second phase of what we're going to talk about, the ground rules. 
for both the speaker and the listener in a disagreement. Really, mo almost all disagreements, all fights are reality arguments. And so we need some basic ground rules because now when, when we can't control somebody and get them to see our reality, we all start to explode. Like we lose containment. So this is the first step in turning the fights from confrontation into connection. Because when we use these ground rules, and then eventually I'm going to get to the um, confrontation model. When we use this, this is how we'll break free from that prism of the reality argument and start creating connection and intimacy. And you're going to find, I, I guarantee you, you're going to find when you use this that all of a sudden fights aren't so scary and realities don't get mixed up as much because of this model. All right. So let's first go through the uh, ground rules for the for person speaking. The first and probably, well, they're all important. I hate to say the most important, but the first step for the person speaking is moderate your emotions. So many times we go into these and, and we're, our, we see we have a reality disagreement and we're just on fire. Well, it's our responsibility. We may even want to take time and say, look, I can't talk about this right now. I need to go contain myself. So that's the first step is moderate our emotions. The second, when we share any aspect of what we're talking about, we make a commitment that there's no shaming, there's no accusing, there's no blaming, judging, yelling. Yelling cannot be a part of it. No screaming. And we do not give the other person advice. That's critical. That's part of moderating the emotions, all right? The third step in this is our goal isn't to be right. It's not to change their reality. Our goal is to be known. Look, I, I honestly see this as water. And I want you to know that about me, okay? We just want someone to know who we are. And that's our goal as the speaker. It's not to change their reality. It's not to be the one who's right about this reality argument. It's about to share who we are and our views of this situation, all right? The next step is we never tell them what they should think or should feel. You hear this all the time in arguments. Well, you should have done, you should know, you shouldn't even think, why do you think that way? Do you see that's a reality argument? We're trying to control them and, and decide that they believe, you know, that we believe they should see the world exactly as we do. And that's what we have to, that's one of the ground rules we have to change is no, they get to think and feel whatever they want. The next step is we don't ever guess at their motivation or try and read their minds. So many times we will make judgments of, well, you rolled your eyes or, you know, you acted this way. And so we're, we're trying to get inside their mind and say, this is what it all means. Well, we have to stay out of that. We don't know. As you're going to see in the confrontation model, part of it is gathering more information so we can get to what they're really thinking and feeling. Now, this step, the sixth step is critical. Uh, like I said, all of these are critical. We have to, in, one of the biggest reasons that relationships fall apart is there's this mantra that I hear and I see it in everybody. They made me feel. Well, nobody ever makes us feel anything, ever. We always have the choice on whether, on how we feel about something. Think about it. 
There are times your partner has said some silly comment and you've laughed your pants off. On another day, when you're in not such a great place, they've made the exact same comment and you've just been, how dare you be so critical and mean of me? We decided in those moments how we were going to think and feel about something. So it's critical that we recognize that whenever we say you made me feel that we are not taking responsibility for ourselves. We are demanding that the other person take care of ourselves for us. And that is not their job. That's what's called codependence. If you have ever heard yourself say you or they made me feel, then I'd encourage you to watch my other videos on codependence because that right there, that's pure codependence. Um, it's not interdependence. Love cannot exist with codependence. Nobody ever makes us feel anything. We are responsible for how we choose to feel. The seventh aspect of speaking is we always use I statements. So many times in fights, we go, you, 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 you did this and then you did this. And so in the confrontation model, I'm going to show you how to turn that into I statements. Okay. So again, all of those are on the website. Go to thegreatnessmovement.com under the resources section and you'll have all of this. So you can keep it with you when you're you know, beginning to change the way you guys confront each other so you can save your relationship. Now let's move on to the seven aspects of listening. The prerequisites we need to um, uh, use to be a good listener. The first one is this. We never interrupt and we don't take their blame. Remember, you know, for when someone's lost containment, they may blame us. They may say you and you made me feel. We never take that on. Remember, that's not, th those are their feelings. They get to have them, but we don't absorb them and accept them as truth. They're just their feelings. The second thing is, that's part of that, is we do not interrupt them to correct them. Remember, we're listening to know them, not to be right or wrong, okay? So that's the first step is don't take on their blame, all right? Because we'll get defensive if we let that in. Keep your boundaries, recognize they're just sharing their reality, their view of the world, their feelings, which they're responsible for, we are not. That's the second one. Remember, we're responsible for our feelings and what we feel about the words they're using. We get to choose. And so we need boundaries to recognize, okay, these are just their feelings. This is their reality. I can decide if I want to be hurt by this or, or whatever. It's my choice. I also, you know, there may be times they're yelling and screaming. Well, then it's my job to go, you know, I don't like this. You know what? I'm going to have to take a break from this conversation because we get to decide. And maybe in that moment, they're yelling and screaming things that don't work for us. And we can't hear it without it affecting us. So then we, it's perfectly fine to ask for a break, all right? The third step in this is we are listening to learn about the other person's reality, their views on the world. We are not listening to form a defense. That's the biggest mistake people make as the listener is they're listening, they're defending themselves. They're going, no, that's not true. And then they interrupt, no, 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 you. And so both sides interrupting both. Defense is the first act of war. When we defend ourselves, we give ourselves away and, and the relationship is lost. Remember, we're just listening to learn about them. This is how they view the world. 
We don't have to defend ourselves. We are not children. This is not our mother or father accusing us. We're adults. We get to go, wow, that's interesting. I, yeah, my memory's different. I don't, I don't have that memory. Huh. We don't have to defend ourselves. So we're listening to go, wow, that's, that's their memory of the event. That's fascinating to me because I don't hear it like that at all. Or I don't remember it like that at all. Okay. <clears throat> the next step is if you're ever unsure about the reality, if they make, an, you know, a, if they share how they recall something, ask for information. It is our job to gather that information and, and to go, wait a minute. Are you saying you mean this or this? You saw your memory is this or this? And always try and do it in four sentences or less. A lot of times people will then go on a diatribe and sneak in, you know, their thoughts and feelings about something. That's not our job as the listener. Our job as the listener is to gather information. So start with that. All right. Now, if the information that they're sharing is true, own it. Own it immediately. Maybe there's aspects of it that you're like, well, I do recall this and that and that. No, this piece, my, my recollection is different. My reality is different. And this, I, I disagree with completely. But these first two things, yes, I did that. So listen to know them, but listen to take ownership of your side of the street. Okay. The next thing is, if it's not true, if your reality, just like the Coke and water example, if your reality is just completely different, detach yourself from the emotions being shared. Just listen without judgment and just accept, wow, their reality is different. Don't try and change it. This is, you're learning about your partner. My gosh, isn't this amazing? I never knew this about my partner, that they saw the world this way. It's not something we need to fight over. It's, a, it's like I said, we're getting connection with our partner. Wow. I, I was always so busy defending. I didn't realize that these are his morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. These are his painful moments in his life. That's fascinating. They're not about me. They're about him. Wow. Interesting. Finally, the seventh thing is after you know we've gone through that process, maybe realities kind of line up, maybe aspects don't, but then we negotiate if necessary. But that's only after we've done the first six steps and listen completely. Okay. So that's the first two phases of this. Now it's time to move on to the confrontation model. Now, I'm going to warn you, the confrontation model, this is going to feel incredibly uncomfortable. It's going to feel very dry and stilted and perfunctory and you're being, this is too clinical. This isn't real. Well, I'm going to tell you the importance of not using this. I write about this in my book, Your Journey to Success, The Day My Marriage Died. I didn't realize it till, gosh, two years after the divorce. But we had used this confrontation all throughout our relationship, and our relationship was incredible. And it was a year or two after the divorce that I realized the day our marriage died. And it was about two years into the marriage, and we were having a disagreement about something. And we were using the confrontation model, the you know, the listening and boundary prerequisites and everything I'm going to share with you. And my wife at the time was cooking something at the stove and I'm sitting there in the kitchen as we're discussing this. And she finally turned to me and she goes, Kenny, could you just stop all this and just tell me what you really think and feel like quit being so boundary because all of this is we're using boundaries here. 
And I remember, I'll never forget it. I talk about in the book, I remember looking up at the ceiling and it had popcorn texture, you know that? And I remember thinking, Kenny, don't do it. Don't do it. She's just scared. You need to be strong for both of us. But then I heard that too familiar voice that we've all heard. Oh yeah, but if you love her, you got to give her what she wants. That codependent message we've all been sent. And that's not love. And so I dropped my boundaries and I just started spewing all my thoughts and feelings, accusations, all of, I went against all of this stuff, all the ways you're supposed to speak. That one little yes, when I gave in, that slowly crept in and killed our marriage. That was the day our marriage died. It's the day I stopped protecting it. I stopped leading and I stopped using the confrontation model. So if your relationship is on the rocks, please stop right now. Use this confrontation model. I guarantee you, even though it's going to be uncomfortable and seem weird, this will save your relationship. It, every couple I've ever had, the second they start using this, their relationship flourishes and it'll, it will with yours too. Okay. So the first step in the, con I'll just, I'm going to run through the steps and then I'm going to give you an example. The first step is to share what you observed, just the facts, no judgments, no blame. And you use I statements and avoid anything, you know, any you type judging statement. The second is you share how you chose to make yourself feel about what you observed. The third step is you ask for more information. The fourth step is you make a request for change or, you know, and that would be something like, would you be willing, you know, would you be willing to consider looking at this situation different or, and well, I'll get into, you know, exactly how I do that, how to do that when I uh, give you the example. The next step, the fifth step is celebrate their no. Remember the goal here is to make the request. It's not to get what we want. We're, we're expressing who we are and what our needs and wants are, but it's never their responsibility to meet them. And that's why we celebrate it when they say no, because otherwise, think of it. How many times have you and your partner fought over and your, your fights consist of this? I've done this for you and this for you and this for you, and you never did this for me. Well, what that means is you did all of these things. You wanted to say no, but you were hoping you'd get this. Well, that's a manipulation. That's not love. That's why we celebrate the no. Because look, I don't want to be hit over the head with all of this. I don't want someone keeping score. I don't want someone filled with resentment. And I don't want someone throwing it back in my face how they did so much for me. Because that's not freely given. There's a cost to that. So that's why we love it. The most loving thing we can ever hear our partner say is no. And so when they say no to our request, oh my God, I'm free. Thank you so much. Now, some of those no's may go against our morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. So step six of the confrontation model is after we go off and think about it, we come back and we share, you know, here's what I've decided to do for myself about this situation. All right. Step seven is we meet the need ourselves. We always, before we have a confrontation, we have a backup plan in place in case our partner refuses to um, agree to you know the the change or the request that we make okay so how would this look in practice let me give you an example because that's you know it's like okay that's too clinical all right so 
Um, let's see, how can I, what would be a good one? Um, what do most couples fight about? Intimacy. How about that? A lot of couples fight about intimacy. So here's how you would start the confrontation. First, you'd go, hey, I'd like to have a discussion about the intimacy in our relationship. Is that something we can schedule? And you negotiate a time. Now, let's say we've negotiated it. We both show up. We're present and available for the conversation. And here's how the conversation would go. You know, it's been my observation that over the last three months, whenever I've tried to be intimate, my recollection is that I've heard no. And about that, I make myself feel sad, rejected, insignificant, ugly, unwanted. And so I was wondering if you'd be willing to give me some more information as to why we're not being intimate. Do you see how there weren't any you statements in that? There was a request for information. I was sharing my reality. It's my reality that over the last three months, we haven't had any intimacy. And here's how I've chosen to make myself feel about it. <clears throat> now, let's assume they said something like, well, what do you mean? We, we were intimate two weeks ago. Now, obviously, they didn't use the confrontation model. To use the confrontation model, the, the response would have been, well, I really appreciate you sharing. Let me see if I hear you right. What I think I hear you saying is, over the last three months, you have no recollection of us being intimate, about that, intimate at all. And about that, you feel sad, rejected, unwanted, ugly, and there were a couple of other feelings that I can't re quite recall. Am I hearing you correctly? See, the first thing is they give back what they heard. They show that they listen. They're not here to you know, say that's not true. It's, I'm, am I hearing you? Have I got it right? Oh yes, that's right. Well, just these other two feelings. Okay, great. Well, you also asked for more information. Are you in a place where you're ready to hear that right now? Yes, I am. Okay, well, my recollection is two weeks ago when we went over to Bob and Susie's for that dinner party, we both had a drink or two and I remember coming home and us doing A, B, C, and D that led to intimacy. Do you have any recollection of that happening at all? Do you hear the difference in that versus how a normal fight would go? What do you mean we had sex two weeks ago? Where does that get you? Defensive. First, the, the, the speaker never felt cared about, never felt listened to. All right. The, the listener made sure to empathize with them and understand them and, and see if they heard them right. And that's the part I, I left out of the response would be, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and feelings. I really appreciate you being vulnerable with me on that. Now, let's say, you know, they, neither one could come to re, uh, an agreement on that reality. Well, then the speaker could, you know, make the request for change. Look, I hear that our realities are different on this. I'm just realizing that I need more intimacy in our relationship. And so I was wondering if you'd be willing for us to make a commitment to intimacy once a week. Does that work for you? Now, let's, let's assume they say no. All right. And they come back with, you know, they reply with, 
here's what I think I heard you say. Here's the request. Am I hearing you right? Thanks for sharing your thoughts and feelings, your needs and wants. But actually for me, that doesn't work. Once a month is enough for me. Well, then the speaker would reply back with, well, I'm going to have to go off and think about that and let you know what I decide because that doesn't fit my needs and wants. Um, I don't know if I can handle um, once a month, but I need to contemplate that. So I appreciate you sharing your, you know, what your reality is and what works for you, but I'm going to have to get back to that on, on my own. Now, this is a tough one to meet the need yourself. You know, we, we all deserve physical intimacy. You know, you could go get, you know, go to Massage Envy and get touched, a healthy form of massage, but that's not intimacy in the full sense. So that might create a problem for some people. And so that might be something to consider. Wait a minute. If their moral and value need and want is only once a, once a month and mine is once a week, what am I going to do about this relationship? And so now you have to consider that. Okay. So that's the basic process of how to work through the confrontation model. Now, I know this is a lot of information in a very short amount of time. So if you, you know, download this and you have questions about, a, you know, a specific situation in your relationship where you're having a reality argument, you're like, how could we use the confrontation model through this? Please leave me a comment. I'll be happy to walk you through it because um, it's very simple once you get used to it, but there may be certain topics you're unsure of. And so I'd be more than happy to help you and guide you through that. So those are the three steps, the reality argument, the ground rules for both the speaker and the listener and the confrontation model. Remember, go to my website, thegreatnessmovement.com, look under the resources section. You'll see a full printout of all of this. I urge you to print one out for you and your partner and both of you to start using this. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you get past the uncomfortableness of how sort of clinical this is, it becomes very normal and, and very connecting. And this will literally save your relationship. And ultimately, that's what I want for you. So I hope that helps you. Have a great day.